Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And it is certainly a beautiful morning. We would like to invite you to take a moment to fill in your red ritual of friendship pad. Again, we're glad that you're here with us today. And as we join on this wonderful weekend, we invite you to stand as we join our hymn of celebration number 697, America. David and Curvis, unfortunately, is not able to be here, uh, but I'll be uh, sharing God Bless the USA. If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd worked for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I'd thank the lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I won't forget the ones who died to get 
gave that right to me and I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston and New York to LA. Well, there's pride in every American heart, and it's time to stand and say. To be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the ones who died to gave that right to me and I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Forget the ones who died who gave that right to me and I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA join in our prayer hymn 437, This Is My Song.
Gracious Lord, this is our song, that our hearts might be as one. We give you thanks and praise for the glory and the beauty of your creation, for the joy of community, for the opportunity this day to come into your presence, to rejoice and to celebrate, to lift up the things for which we give thanks, for friends and family, for celebrations, for familiar faces and new, for the joy of this, our Independence Day weekend, to know the freedoms that we experience, the joys that we hold. God, to lift up our thanksgiving, to know that our freedom that comes from you, the joy of the forgiveness for our sins, the joy which is life everlasting, the opportunity to learn and understand forgiveness that we might forgive others, the opportunity to lift up our voices in song and our hearts in prayer. God, we give you thanks and praise. But in these, we know that there are those around the world who don't have these freedoms, who continue to struggle with threats of war and to live in the reality of war. Those who hunger and thirst, those who live without the basic necessities. God, I, we pray that on this day as we come into your presence that we might experience not only your spirit but a desire to be your church to go forth in ministry, to learn to reach out to those around us that as we pray for the things that weigh upon our hearts we will lift up the prayers with and for those next to us and behind us those on the other side of the street and halfway around the world God may we be your body and ministry to understand what it means to be called your church <laughs> glorious God on this Sunday might we come before you for but a moment of silence to not only lift our prayers but to be still before you. God, we come now before your throne to receive your grace. <clears throat> Merciful and holy God, we ask you to hear these our prayers, that we continue to pray without ceasing, to lift up our voices, and as often, if not more, to lift up our hearts and our ears in silence, to continue to wait upon you, to step forth in faith, to bring your light and your glory to the world around us. And as we stand united before you, Glorious God, may we too raise our voices in unison that we can lift the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught that has been prayed throughout the centuries. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.
God, we give you thanks and praise as we offer back to you these are gifts, tithes, and offerings. May you receive these gifts that we be faithful to use them for your ministry. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Mark, the 8th chapter, verses 22 through 25. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather this morning in the reading of the word. And pray now that that word will find a place within our hearts. And as the good seed that finds its way to fertile soil, digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, may now this, the seed of the word of God, find <laughs> a fertile place in the midst of our hearts and souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. I'm going to beg your uh, uh, pardon a moment as I put a cough drop into my mouth. <laughs> um, I don't know me like sucking on things during church, but, I, but I'm going to need it to get through the sermon. I um, always remember a service I went to, and the preacher was chewing gum, the whole, whole service. So I'm just going to stick it back here, and uh, hopefully you won't notice that. Well, are you far-sighted or are you near-sighted? Now, I want to ask you to all do something right now. I want you to take off your glasses and keep them off. Uh, can you see me? Yes. Uh, barely. <laughs> Don't you wish you couldn't hear me? <laughs> now, keep your glasses off. Now... <laughs> Now, if you can see me, you are farsighted. But if you look down at your bulletin, it's a little uh, fuzzy. If you're nearsighted, you can see what you're seeing there, but I'm looking a little fuzzy. So we understand what it means that farsightedness and nearsightedness does to us. Now, how do you correct it? Glasses, right. So put your glasses back on. Oh! My goodness, you scared me there. <laughs> if we need glasses, it matters very much that we wear them, doesn't it? And if we are nearsighted, we want glasses to correct the right thing. We don't want to correct our nearsightedness because we don't need it. You don't, if you're farsighted, you don't want to correct it. the farsightedness. You have to correct the opposite thing that you're trying to achieve so that in your glasses you can see everything in focus. Now, if you are nearsighted or you are farsighted, it is a total way about how we see things. Although in the, in the last service, Brian said, do you know what person, uh, what language a person speaks who is farsighted? Farsi, that's right. 
We got no better reaction at the last service than that. Actually, you were much kinder to Brian. And if it wasn't for the fact he did such a great job on that song, I would have really got on him. Uh, how come you never do that when I pipe? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> well, seeing things into the future is far-sightedness. And there are some people who can do that. Now, Steven Spielberg, considered to be one of the top forward-looking directors of our era, is said to have this great far-sightedness when he is thinking about projects in which he will formulate something, an idea, and bring it to fruition. And not long ago, he was discussing a new project. It was going to be an action docudrama about famous composers starring top movie stars. And so he collected Sylvester Stallone, Steven Seagal, Bruce Willis, and Arnold Schwarzenegger to gather to talk about his project. And Spielberg strongly desired this kind of box office oomph from these big stars. I mean, how else do you get people to go to see a movie about composers? And he said, though, if you will pick the composer you want to do, I'll let you play him. They just have to be famous. And uh, so all of a sudden, up shouts uh, Stallone. I've always admired Mozart. I would love to play him. Chopin. Chopin has always been my favorite, and my image would improve if people saw me playing the piano, replied Willis. I'll play him. I've always been partial to Strauss and his waltzes, said Seagal. I'd like to play him. And Spielberg was so very delighted with these choices. Sounds splendid. And then turning to Schwarzenegger, he asked, who do you want to be, Arnold? And of course, in that slow, deliberate voice, he replied, I'll be Bach. <laughs> They received that much better than the last service, didn't they? <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to get good jokes dealing with farsightedness? <laughs> well, obviously, whether you're farsighted or nearsighted, near, nearsighted, it obviously, the purpose of your glasses is to bring you into proper focus. In our scripture passage this morning, we have this account of Jesus correcting a man's vision. You know, there are so many things in life and in the world that sometimes we see all of these things distractedly and we lose focus. We lose the center of the things we need to be looking at. When Jesus healed the blind man, he took him from no vision to a bit of blurred vision and then to clear vision. And it's kind of the same for us. One of the great problems in our world and in our churches is that we are blind to some important things that make a difference, but we don't seem to be wearing the right glasses to be able to see them. And it's really the story that focuses our scripture account for today. It's the same problem I see as we come to our celebration of the 4th of July tomorrow. There's this very foggy concept and understanding of the 4th of July as if our country and oftentimes our churches become so individualized that we lose sight of the fact that we're one nation together or one church together. Everyone talks about what I want to do. Everybody talks about doing their thing. However, when we do things together, we strengthen each other and it makes a difference. It strengthens a country. It strengthens a church. I'd like to share with you a story that just happened to me in the last 
uh, seven days when I was up at the Army Guard and Reserve Base at Camp San Luis Obispo for the U.S. Air Force Auxiliary. Now, besides the fact that I could ride in some really neat military Humvees and take helicopter rides, I served on staff with three other chaplains to the cadet training squadron of the California wing of the Civil Air Patrol. And for a week, I was part of the chaplain corps, bringing the Ministry of Presence to 225 cadets and almost 100 staff members. At the beginning of the week, we were faced with three squadrons who had never worked with each other before. And we were seeking to unite them in a week of training, work, and cooperation that would, on the last day, allow them to present themselves as a combined unit before the camp commander. Now, just as an aside, the camp commander, Lieutenant Colonel Grace Edinburgh, is also a bagpipe player. <laughs> and we piped together retreat at lights off. And then I piped each night in the quad before the barracks. It was great. No one could make me stop because the camp commander told me to start. I love commanders, <laughs> but I was told it was much more appreciated that I played at retreat for the night rather than reveille in the morning. <laughs> now, I knew the chaplains I was working with. One was Chaplain Major Robert Ferguson, a United Methodist pastor retired. Other was National Deputy Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Paul Ward of the Assemblies of God, and Chaplain Major Robert Harris, who was a Calvary Chapel minister. Now, Besides Chaplain Ferguson and me being both Methodists, you would have thought that those three denominations would barely get along or no less even understand each other. To make matters even worse, Base Chaplain Robert Harris asked us to be up at 4 a.m. every day so we could be off base at Starbucks by 5 when they opened. <laughs> We couldn't even chat back to the base, go over the day's schedule, go over the issues that were going to be brought up, pray for the encampment, pray for the, uh, the leaders, pray for the line officers, pray for the general officers. Can I tell you something? I have never worked with a finer group of chaplains than these men who I had so very little really in common with except my Methodist colleague except that we all love God and desire to affect a ministry of presence for the cadets and the senior members of that encampment. Now, in case you think that encampment is an easy job, it is run like a boot camp with attack and drill officers, physical training, drill, inspections, and everything else. Our purpose as chaplains was to undergird the support staff so that we might work together, taking individuals and making them a cohesive unit. And that meant counseling a lot of people in the concept of the team, working with cadets and very clearly setting out the elements that in this structure you do not just take care of yourself, but you take care of every other person in your squadron. And I can tell you this, that doing a vertical climb, as you're looking out the back window, vertical climb in a Chinook helicopter at two and a half Gs makes people believers. We always took him up first. And do you believe? Yeah, I believe I was going to die. <laughs> By the end of the week, we saw the vision of a group become more important than just a group of individuals. During physical runs, it was heartwarming to see cadets come back and help other cadets that were having a problem to finish it, 
And even though that would slow them down, as a unit, they were supporting one another. I saw tears shed when a flight realized that they, as a team, not as individuals, had won a competition that one single person could not have done, but working together could. On the final day on the parade field, I saw the precision marching before the base encampment commanders that was nothing short of beautiful. But most of all, I saw this wonderful evolution of young people showing glimpses of hope for tomorrow's youth and leadership in our community and nation, and I was very proud of that. As I was driving back on Friday afternoon, I thought of our country and the 4th of July that is coming up, and I thought, wouldn't it be great in this election year that our candidates could evidence the same kind of understanding that undergirded what we are as a nation, not just a bunch of individuals all just wanting their own way. I was kidding someone that I thought the solution might be to the quagmire in Washington, D.C. would be take all of Capitol Hill, all of Capitol Hill, every senator, every representative, put them on a boat and sink it in the Atlantic. <laughs> Nope, can't do that. You would create the largest toxicological waste dump in the history of the world. <laughs> when was the last time our politicians brought us together as a nation, working together rather than trying to divide us over issues that would just get them elected? And I'm talking about both sides of the aisle in Washington. Like our man in our scriptures today, it seems we are blind with no one working together. No one wants to see anything except their side of an issue or an argument. And I identify with this man in our scripture today because his healing wasn't immediate. He had this gradual sight returned to him. And in our country today, it's not going to happen overnight. But I believe it can come to us my church family and friends, I'm not being political here because I am not endorsing to you any candidate for this year, but I'm asking every one of you on this 4th of July celebration weekend and especially tomorrow when we, in the midst of so much that we enjoy, I'm going to ask you to pray for our country and our leaders that we might renew our sight as what we originally were, a nation under God, with the greatest charter of freedom ever written in our Declaration of Independence, and that we may pray to Almighty God to get back to the roots of what made us a great country and which has been undercut and diminished by the divisions created by so many interest groups that don't bring people together, but only seeks to separate them. Now, my wallet, all I have is a dollar. It's all Tammy left me. <laughs> And on the back of it, it says, in God we trust. And on the front, e pluribus unum. Out of many, we are made one. That is the prayer. I'm surprised you left me anything, honey. Um, <laughs> that is the prayer I want you to pray for tomorrow. I want you to pray for our country that we might get back to the roots that made us great, clearly seeing what lies in front of us, that we might restore this great country to the ideals on which we are founded. I like the man in our scripture 
because we too can be healed as a nation. We can be healed as our churches and receive the sight to see our futures around us and be blessed by God. As we pray, I would like to use a prayer that was given to me last night by email, written by Boyd Davis, who goes to our 8 o'clock service. And this was his prayer for the church and our country for this 4th of July. May we pray. O God in heaven, we come before you praising your name, always awestruck at the wonder of who you are, self-existent, eternal, holy, just, loving, merciful, and the author of our liberty. Throughout our years as a nation, you have provided us truly great leaders and statesmen, obedient to your word and fulfilling your will in history. These men and women fought for and founded our country, led it through the night of a nation divided through the far-flung horror of two world wars, the Cold War, and through the conflicts called Korea, Vietnam, the Persian Gulf, Afghanistan, and Iraq. We thank you for these people of faith and courage and the wonderful and noble heritage which they have given us. Through countless events you have forged us as Americans, seeking the ideals you have set before us. Grant us the courage to continually speak and act for that which is right and just. And we ask these things in your precious Son's name, even Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. May I invite you to stand as we join together in our hymn of dedication, but may we make this more a hymn of prayer, America the Beautiful.
standing near you. And before I offer the benediction, I apologize now, but knowing that the sermon was on farsighted and nearsighted and having clear vision, do you know what Tennessee? I don't know, Alaska. <laughs> but I heard it was the same thing Arkansas. It was in New Jersey. <laughs> Delaware, we're in New Jersey, too. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian, I have... I have three hours time for you in confession. <laughs> As you hold one another's hands, give a little squeeze. May we go forth this day to continue to be the light of Christ to this world, that we might see more clearly to go forth and to share God's love. Go now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.